One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Is they will kill a true crime podcast. I'm Sadiac. Not to be confused with James Earl Jones, and I am Cordiac. <laughs> Just surprised myself. I, I mean, I, the people are going to be so surprised and maybe a little aroused by that. <laughs> Should I just talk like this the rest of the episode? <laughs> I can't. I can't even get back down there. <laughs> no, I know you'll never will. This once in a lifetime moment. You guys got. We're here to witness Sadie, aka James Earl Jones, here to tell you about true crime. It's Courtney's night, luckily, because I I've shot my voice out already. Yep, and we're happy to be here with you. Very happy to be here with you. And if you hear the sound of the apocalypse being summonsing <laughs> behind me, I so apologize. It is spring in the Midwest, which means leaf blowers of every variety. So I thought they were done. I'm sure they'll cut it out soon or then later. But yeah. in the meantime, please excuse the trumpeting of hell behind me. Sound, sounded like a foghorn earlier. <sighs> anyway, today, y'all, I'm going to tell you the deeply frustrating murder of Janelle Patton. This was a listener suggestion. So thank you, listener, thank for you. sending me down this hallway of no return oh, yeah i know it's like thank you for this lovely gift of terribleness of deep frustration so janelle Patton was born in sydney australia in 1972 and was described as outgoing intelligent and a happy-go-lucky person who had an eye for detail she was a very hard worker and was well liked by everyone who knew her well most everyone despite also being described as very straightforward she was very close to her parents and generally a very loved person. Quote, she was thin, feisty, fit, and organized. <laughs> she preferred structure to chaos, but so many of her actions left a trail of wreckage she could neither see nor cared to see. She was the kind of person that others would notice when she walked into a room and had a, quote, obsessive and intense personality that left her boyfriends reeling and at times her family staggered. Wow. So this is one of those cases where part of the frustration is that it's not covered in a very straightforward way. Mm -hmm. So I found a documentary about it and started watching that. And it was one of those documentaries where they're like, we're going to jump back and forth in weird succession Ugh, and tell yeah. you a bunch of stuff from the end of the story. Anyway, but then I found a book called Norfolk Island of Secrets by Tim Latham. And so the documentary presented her personality sort of one way. And then I started reading the book and they're like, she was intense. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. an intense person. So... I think that's important as we tend to, and I understand why, but like when people die, we want to erase the things that maybe aren't as positive, but I think that it kind of takes away from who they were as a complete person. I you totally know, like agree. I, yeah, yeah. We just flatten them out. And this is definitely the case. It's also relevant, I think, in this case to know that she was a complicated person. She was mm -hmm. deeply loved and very well known. And she was also like... She's didn't, she didn't give a fuck. You're about to find yeah. out Janelle Patton didn't give one fuck. Good for her. Yeah. And she doesn't need to, to no. be loved. Yes, exactly. So she struggled with eating disorders like so many young women do and had a tendency to use alcohol as a way to cope with her issues, which is what usually led to the chaos she could be known for. 
Her brother said that people sometimes thought she was domineering, but she actually came across as controlling because she was so intense about making other people happy, Mm -hmm. which is something I can relate to Mm -hmm. deeply. In 2002, Janelle was 29 years old and living on Norfolk Island, which is an Australian island of just 1,300 people and is located just north of Auckland, New Zealand. Most of the residents are descendants of the Bounty Mutineers, the famous Mutiny on the Bounty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, which was the mutiny of the ship The Bounty that was on a mission to, quote, collect and transport breadfruit plants from Tahiti to the West Indies. And basically they had a five-month layover in, I think, Tahiti, and they were like just chilling out, living on Hammock Island, and then they get back on the ship and they're like, fuck you, <laughs> basically, <laughs> and mutinied. And then they got in trouble and they got sent to Nor- Norfolk Island. There's also a penal colony out there and stuff. So. Right. They're very proud of the fact that they are descended from the bounty mutineers. So Janelle had left her job working in a bank in Sydney and moved to the island and took a job at the South Pacific Hotel in 1999. So no one knows exactly why Janelle made the move, but people think it was to get a fresh start after a breakup and to just sort of spread her wings from living with her family. She didn't exactly fit in on the quiet island and didn't like following the unspoken rules of the place. People who knew her said she was known for, quote, using and abusing men and never holding back when telling people how she felt about them. Janelle had been involved in very abusive and aggressive relationships, and she and a friend on the island had gotten so heated with each other that they'd taken out mutual restraining orders against each other. Yeah. She also dated a man for a while who had a daughter who was, well, she was either, she was like either 16 or 19, but so Janelle is like 26 or 27 and then the daughter was like 10 years younger, basically. And the daughter resented Janelle for being in the relationship with her father. In her diary, Janelle would outline the various activities of each day and they almost always ended with notes like, Dana a fucking bitch or went to brewery dash Dana bitch there or Dana, a stupid fucking cow. So it'd be like, went to the brewery, went to the beach, had, you know, sandwiches, ran by Tom's, went to the brewery, Dana, a stupid fucking cow. Wow. (laughs) So this is her Her boyfriend's daughter. So essentially a stepdaughter, but not officially. Exactly. She only dated the guy for seven months or something. On March 30th, 2002, Janelle's parents visited her on the island, and when they showed up to the hotel where she worked, she got so excited. Oh, so this is actually slightly wrong. Her parents came to visit, and then she was like, let's go to the hotel that we work in for dinner. And then she, like, basically, like, ting, 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 and, like, (laughs) stopped everything in the dining room. was like, these are my parents. They're visiting. Yeah. So cute. The following day, Janelle set out on the walk that she took along the coast every morning, but she never returned. No. She had plans to meet with her parents for a meal that day. I think she was going to cook them dinner. And when she didn't show up and they couldn't find her in her apartment and she made no efforts to contact them, they eventually contacted the police. Oh, man. Yeah. That's probable. I mean, like, in some ways it might be good that they were there. Definitely, no. She was gone. Definitely, because they went to her apartment. Or she didn't show up. They would got up, got breakfast. She didn't show up. They went to her apartment. Her purse, her shoes, the groceries were there that she'd purchased to cook them dinner that night. Yeah. On and on and on. But she, yeah, she never came home. So very unfortunately, in the meantime, two tourists from New Zealand were at the popular cockpit waterfall reserve and spotted something wrapped in a large plastic sheet lying on the ground. When they investigated further, they found that a woman's body had been wrapped in the sheet of plastic and the body was identified to be Janelle Patton. Mm. I also read that there were multiple videos that tourists had taken that day and you can see the black plastic in the video. Yeah. And one kid, the 14-year-old boy, saw it, went over to it, saw a pale, like pale body, like a limb, 
mm-hmm. and thought it was a homeless person just trying to sleep oh. and just let her lay there for, cause he didn't, he just didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah. I mean, cause it was right out in the middle of this park basically wow. like right in the middle it was no there was no attempt to hide the body whatsoever it was just plopped right in the middle of the tourist spot sure and nobody expects to come across a dead body no especially not literally just plopped in the middle of this like wide open space in a popular tourist destination on easter sunday so an autopsy would reveal that she had been stabbed 64 times oh my god and it was a wound to her chest that had punctured her lung and killed her She also had defensive wounds to her hands, suggesting she had died after a vicious fight. She also had a fractured skull, a broken pelvis, and a broken ankle. Wow. Her clothes had been cut, and her pants and underwear were cut deliberately in a way that would have caused them to fall off if she'd stood up. Like, so they took the waistband of her underwear and her shorts and cut them up the side. So they obviously mm-hmm. were cut with a knife or scissor. So it was like, clearly that cut had been made on intentionally. It hadn't just been like ripped. Somebody mm-hmm. had like taken the two at the same time and up the side. Before the details of the crime came out, it was rumored that maybe it had been a hit and run, especially considering homicide was so uncommon on the island. There were also rumors that she could have taken her own life. And the people who knew her said that it wasn't entirely out of the question. But this is before they knew that she'd been stabbed 66 Correct. times. Okay. Yeah, like they knew she was gone and then they found out she had been found dead, but right. they didn't know how. But everyone was like, yeah, it wouldn't be that out of the, out of the question for her mm-hmm. to have taken her own life. So news of Janelle's murder spread like wildfire because it was the first homicide on the island since 1893. Holy shit. Yeah. And no one could begin to imagine who would have murdered the young woman so brutally and why someone living on their sleepy island would consider doing something so heinous, especially right in the middle of the day. Yeah. And what year is this now? We're 2002, I believe. Oh, my God. 1893? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Holy shit. (sighs) Yup. So there were no witnesses to the crime at all. One woman was driving her little baby around to sleep Mm -hmm. and she was going up the coastal road. And by the time she came back down, like it was a loop, by the time she came back down, Janelle was gone. So in the amount of time that she saw Janelle, like waved, went up and came back down and Janelle was gone. But other than that, absolutely nobody saw anything, nothing. Wow. It's baffling to think that someone could kill a woman in broad daylight on an island with no way in or out, I mean, quickly, and dump her body in a very popular tourist destination, also in broad daylight, and no one saw anything. Some people said they heard screaming around that time, but that was it. It was Easter Sunday, so many residents would have been with their families, but it's still very strange. Yeah, The lead detective on the case wasn't chosen until three days after the murder. Because I didn't need any detectives. The fact that they have police there at all is amazing because there's no crime. No, exactly. And there was nobody, absolutely nobody who was qualified for this job at all. Sure. Yeah. Their manuals probably are like, have them smell the salts to Confess to the crime, like, like from seriously. 1893. Yeah. If the woman gets vapors, give her a lobotomy. <laughs> so he was flown from Sydney to lead the investigation. Okay, well, that's good. He never got to see Janelle's body in person and instead had to rely on photographs that weren't taken by a professional photographer oh. for who knew what was important to capture. Not to mention that on the day that Janelle was found, it had rained heavily for about an hour, so most potential forensic evidence would have been washed away in the downpour. The lead detective said, quote, The only way we can solve this case, unless there's a forensic breakthrough, will be with the assistance of the Norfolk Island population. He also thought that the island residents likely knew more than they were saying, and, quote, If they have that knowledge and they're hiding it and keeping it to themselves, there could be a variety of motivations for that from fear, loyalty, disinterest. 
So every person who visits the island has to travel through customs and present their passport. Wow. So every person on the island that day would have been accounted for. And there were 2,700 people present on the day that she was murdered. I mean, that's pretty helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was a whole chapter in the book. The book was a lot of like, in 1542, John Kavanaugh. And so I didn't read all of that. I will will admit that there was a whole chapter, at least a paragraph in the book about how. So they, the island sort of had its own, I don't want to say government. It wasn't represented in the Australian Parliament is Parliament the right word? Probably. So they didn't have a representative. They're so it's a little lawless, basically. Mm-hmm. And right around this time, there was a whole thing that came out where somebody in power was like, "Norfolk Island is a shit show, and we need to get control of them." And blah blah blah. And I think it was just a politician posturing to gain control of the island, basically mm-hmm. like full control. So they were a little bit. It's not like a unincorporated area or so it was like they they were a part of the queen's rule but also a little outside of it and so mm-hmm. i think part of the way that i'm assuming they were keeping shit safe-ish was by having a customs coming in and out of the island so so police basically had to work their way backward and whittle the list down until they found the person who committed the murder They quickly whittled the list down to 16 persons of interest, including Janelle's parents, because they'd been on the island that day. Janelle had a boyfriend who lived in Auckland, and he spoke to Janelle the night before her murder. He said she was generally very happy and was excited her parents were in town, but did report that she had mentioned that someone had been, quote, prowling around her house at night. And she thought someone had been through her underwear drawer and messed up her bed, so she'd started locking her doors. Someone had also called Janelle at 2.20 a.m. the morning before she was murdered, and the call lasted almost two minutes, but police couldn't tell who it was from, except that it wasn't from someone on the island. (laughs) Janelle then got up, worked the breakfast shift at the hotel at 7 a.m., and her coworkers all said she was in great spirits. Janelle had plenty of enemies on the island and off of the island, including her ex-boyfriend with the daughter that she hated, mm-hmm. and a recent ex-boyfriend that she had been in a physical fight with on Valentine's Day, and police had found a note that she'd written to him that said, quote, look, Bucket, his nickname, I'm sore, I'm bruised big time. I'm devastated by everything you said and did to me last night. On top of that, you'd been bitching behind my back and I never thought a friend would do that. You made it clear your opinion of me, so let's just leave it at that. I have to go now, sorry. Bucket, whose full name was Lori Quintal, said that he'd only gotten physical because her rage could be so unstoppable. And quote, a man's got a right to protect his body and his property and he'd only gotten physical to force her to leave his home. There was one of the boyfriends too, I think it was the one with the daughter that she hated, said something to her after they broke up, like, well, you've officially got your first enemy on the island, congratulations. Mm -hmm. So lots of volatile relationships in Janelle's life. So police tested the plastic that Janelle was found wrapped in and uncovered palm prints on the sheet that belonged to a local builder named Steve Cochran. Steve had absolutely no connection to Janelle, and it was eventually assumed that the plastic had been stolen from his work site because he frequently used sheets of plastic like that for his construction jobs. All of the 16 people on the original suspect list were crossed off over time, and the case eventually went cold. Hmm. Then in 2004, the lead detective on the case, Bob Peters, who'd come from Australia, he also was working remotely for most of the for most of the time. So somebody would call and be like, "Oh, we found this thing." He'd be like, "Okay, I'll be there in two days or whatever." Yeah. So he was looking back over old records from the cases from around the time of the murder and found a fingerprint card from a burglary that had occurred just before Janelle was killed. 
Peters decided to test it against the prints found on the plastic tarp she'd been found in and was very surprised when they got a hit. Oh. That print led them to 28-year-old chef Glenn Peter Charles McNeil, who had been living on the island at the time and then moved back to Nelson on the South Island of New Zealand. Detectives knew they'd need more than just the print to make an arrest, so they tried to track down the car that he'd been driving at the time, but after months of searching, they had no luck. Then one day, McNeil's former neighbor heard on the radio that police were searching for a white Honda and remembered that one had been abandoned in front of his house. (laughs) He tried to take it to the dump at one point, but the dump had been closed and all locked up, so it had been sitting in his backyard ever since. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Police searched the trunk of the car and found, quote, a speck of blood, flecks of paint, and glass fragments similar to those found in Janelle's hair. Police tracked down McNeil in New Zealand, where he was living with his girlfriend and two children, and he was taken into custody and immediately confessed to killing Janelle. Oh, man. McNeil claimed that he'd smoked a little weed in the morning and was driving in the area where Janelle took her morning walks and got distracted when his pack of cigarettes dropped and he reached to retrieve them. He said that when he looked up, Janelle was right in front of his car and so he accidentally hit her. When he got out to investigate, he was sure Janelle was dead, so he panicked and put her in his trunk, then drove her back to his home. McNeil was already suspected in a local burglary, so he said he couldn't chance calling for help for Janelle or going to the police to report the crime. He said that once he was home, he heard Janelle moaning inside of the truck, and so rather than calling for help, he got a knife from his kitchen and stabbed her once. Oh, really? His story did not match the evidence, right? Because we'll remember she was stabbed 64 times and had like a billion broken bones. And defensive wounds. Yep. So police showed him a photo of Janelle's hand with all the defensive wounds on it. And he immediately changed his story to say he'd stabbed her three or four times and claimed she didn't hold up her hands or fight back. He said he then fetched the large piece of plastic Janelle was found in from a work site near his house wrapped her in it, and disposed of her body in an area where he was sure she would be found. He said he fully intended for her to be found, and he felt terrible that she was dead, and he hadn't intended to kill her in the first place. Oops. He said that he'd been racked with guilt ever since and had tried to kill himself six times since. His account didn't fully add up to the injuries, however, like we mentioned before, mm-hmm. as, Je- as Janelle had defensive wounds and had clearly fought for her life, and McNeil claimed he'd simply walked to the trunk, looked the other way, and stabbed her once. Oh, give him a break, dude. Yeah. There was also some question as to why only one of his fingerprints was found on the plastic, considering he must have touched it hundreds of times as he wrapped Janelle in it and transported her to the site where he dumped her. There were also 10 other sets of fingerprints on the plastic, and only two suspects had been matched. Despite this, McNeil was immediately arrested and transported back to Norfolk Island to stand trial for Janelle Patton's murder. McNeil's identity had to be kept a secret in an attempt to assemble an impartial jury on such a small island, Mm -hmm. and trial started on February 1st, 2007. By the time trial had begun, McNeil had recanted his confession, claiming it was coerced and that he'd made his statements because he suffered from mental health issues and couldn't remember anything he told the police. He told the Supreme Court, quote, I did not kill Janelle Patton. I did not abduct her. I did not see Janelle Patton that day. And that he, quote, would have admitted to anything due to his mental health problems. McNeil had been battling drug addiction at the time of his arrest and had been in a mental institution just before. 
As I mentioned a bit before, the condition of Janelle's body after the attack didn't fully match McNeil's confession, especially the fact that he'd said he'd accidentally hit her and then only stabbed her once to kill her, but didn't savagely attack her. It also seems that she would have lost some items of clothing if she'd been killed in one location and then moved to where her body was found as her clothes were cut and torn so badly they were very loose on her body. Mm-hmm. None of McNeil's DNA was found on Janelle's body, but the DNA of an unidentified woman was. Oh. The defense also wondered if Janelle's shorts and underwear had been cut to make it look like it had been a sex crime. She had not been sexually uh-huh. assaulted. Uh-huh. Also, the spot of blood in the trunk was too weak to be conclusively linked to Janelle. So you'll remember they found glass shards, a spot of blood, right. flecks of paint. Aye, huh? Yeah. And glass that was similar to the glass that was in Janelle's hair. So, despite the shaky evidence and McNeil's retracted statement, after 11 hours of deliberation, he was found guilty and sentenced to 24 years in prison. Mm. McNeil appealed his conviction several times, and after all of his appeals were denied, he came up with a new story for what had gone down that day. He said that he had nothing to do with her actual murder, but was involved with the aftermath. He claims that a drug-dealing couple who lived on the island had shown up at his home with Janelle in the back of their pickup truck. He said that he'd stolen pot plants from them in the past, so they were coming to collect the favor he owed them, and they said that they'd kill his then-wife if he didn't help them and forced him to dump her body. Hmm. He said that his fingerprints were on the tarp as a result and that he'd never spoken up out of fear of retaliation. The names of the couple were not made public, and police say there is no evidence to support that they had anything to do with the murder. There have been public requests for the police to test the female DNA that was found on Janelle's body and compare it to the female suspect. And despite, quote, private assurance that the matter would be pursued and that an investigator would be in touch, the police have dismissed requests for the investigation to be reopened. No. Yep. Everybody, it's that time again to talk about our BFF, HelloFresh, which we were consumers of before we were sponsored by them. So this is a true, true endorsement. Endorsement. Thank you. Endorsement. So what is HelloFresh? With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh does more than just delicious dinners. Not only can you take your pick from 40 weekly recipes, but you can choose from over 100 items to round out your order, from snacks and easy lunches to desserts and pantry necessities. Everything arrives in one box on a delivery day that you choose. HelloFresh makes dinner time a snap with deliciously easy options that will please everyone at your table, from fit and wholesome to pescatarian to veggie. They have a meal plan that suits your lifestyle, plus you can swap out proteins and sides to your liking. So HelloFresh, when it arrives at my door, number one, my children get very excited mm-hmm. because they like to help cook. The recipes are easy to follow. The ingredients are ready to go. A little choppy choppy, throw it in a pan, then you eat it, and it's delicious. It is delicious, and you learn a lot too, which is not something I expected. Absolutely. Add a little bit of veggie stock to things to give them a little bit of extra umami punch. Throw a little tablespoon of butter in there. Never hurt Mm -hmm. anybody. The food is really delicious. The options are great. They're craveable. There's comfort foods. There's healthier options. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Last night, Laura made me a HelloFresh because I had to work very, very late. And my wife, who is good at everything but cooking, becomes a good cook when HelloFresh is in the fridge. Go to HelloFresh.com slash theywill16 and use code theywill16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. 
So go to HelloFresh.com slash theywill16 and use code theywill16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Today's episode is also sponsored by the brilliant people at Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Health is deeply human, and it has to be personal, so Care Of is there to help you find what works for you. You take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals for a personalized, doctor-backed recommendation. The quiz can be retaken at any time to switch up your packs as your lifestyle and needs change. I'm a very busy person. You all know this. Recently, I have been busier than I have ever been in my entire life. No exaggeration. And I am also somebody who really relies on supplements to help my body feel the best it can and do the things it needs to do. One thing that I have a hard time with is sleeping. It's been something I've struggled with my my entire life. I got the sleep blend and I am sleeping like a little tiny baby, which I appreciate (laughs) so much. I also, my guts are not always the best. I don't, I've always had issues with my gut health. I got the gut check. The thing I particularly love about it, it's a probiotic blend, but it's also pre-portioned, so it's very easy to just grab one of the sticks, bingo, bango, done, ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah, I put the chia and flaxseed in my yogurt in the morning. Yes, I do too. Tastes delicious. I don't even notice the flavor, which is awesome. Same for the vitamins. No yucky burps. They're also pre-portioned, so you just know what you take. You take the pack, you put it in your face, you're good to go. I love chia too, by the way. I Mm -hmm. cannot get enough of chia and it's something I definitely rely on. And when I'm traveling and I don't have it, it, I can tell. (laughs) I'll just say that. I can definitely tell. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code THEYWILL. Go to takecareof.com and enter code THEYWILL. And we're saying five zero fifty percent off, you guys. That is an amazing amount of savings on your own health and well-being. And for real, honestly, honestly, if you're struggling with anything in your life, you need a little boost, you need a little help out, give it Mm -hmm. a try. Do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One thing that detectives hadn't been able to explain earlier was McNeil's motive for the very personal attack as there was no evidence that he and Janelle knew each other. But then NBC News was covering the story on Norfolk Island and a man named Greg Magri, who had been a close, a very close friend of Janelle's and the person who supplied a lot of the insider information on Janelle's life after her death claimed that Janelle and McNeil had come to his house late one night. This guy, Greg Magri, so he came up in the NBC News thing, and he's in the book a lot. He's he's the one who's like, she used and abused men. He raises raises up a little red flag for me. Mm -hmm. He just had an awful lot to say about her that wasn't mm, the most positive. wasn't openly outright negative, but... I don't know. And then when he showed up in this NBC News thing, all of a sudden out of fucking nowhere and was like, oh, yeah, they knew each other Uh after he's already been convicted. Definitely "Uh don't look at me. Yeah. 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 So he said they showed up at around 11 p.m. one night and that the three of them had talked and had drinks for several hours and that Janelle and McNeil seemed friendly, but not romantic. He said he'd never told the police because they just never asked him. (laughs) Okay. God. (laughs) Despite claiming that McNeil and Janelle did know each other, he says he thinks that someone else was involved that hasn't been caught yet. Man. The one thing that I read over and over when researching this case is that everyone involved thinks that no one will ever know what actually happened to Janelle Patton while she was taking an innocent walk on Easter morning. Quote, 
Why Janelle Patton was murdered may become another of Norfolk Island's enduring mysteries. In addition to the reminders of the bounty mutineers, the penal colony ruins stands a small wooden bench to honor a lovely woman who had come here to find herself and was taken away far too young. Her father says, quote, I'm going to miss Janelle for the rest of my life. I still talk to her. I still think of her. He took my daughter. He took something that was very important and precious. Oh. And that, my loves, is the <sighs> fucked up story of the murder of Janelle Patton. Kind of solved. Not really. What the fuck? What the fuck? I was like, ooh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into really what happened. Oh, mm-hmm. no. No, this is what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Tell me. A woman that was kind of a problem on an island got murdered. Some detective from another place gets assigned to the case. There's not been a thorough investigation. It rained on her. There was not good evidence. There was a lot of pressure for the island to, like, quote unquote, get under control. Mm-hmm. This guy shows up. He does immediately confess. I don't know what happened before the confession, but you can see it on tape. He's like, yeah, I killed her and just like launches into this very calmly, just says, yeah, I hit her accidentally. I panicked. I stabbed her once. But that's weird. You know, yeah. if you had actually, had actually done it, you would have had a little bit more information about what had actually happened. Gets convicted and everyone's like, good, done. We didn't, she's not somebody that people were fighting for, right? She was, right. the island certainly wasn't fighting for her because they didn't really want her to be there, it seems like. The police were like, good, done and done. It's been solved. Ugh. But it doesn't like, doesn't add up. It's like he clearly had some knowledge of what happened, but it doesn't seem like he was the one that did it. He certainly didn't like accidentally hit her and then stab her once. Like that's not what happened. So maybe he accidentally hit her, was on drugs and then was like, shit, I got to make sure she's dead. And then she fought back. But I think he would have just said that. Maybe he omitted that so he would feel a little bit better or something that he still stabbed her to death, but he wouldn't have stabbed her 64 times. No. You know? No, unless... Unless he, like, hit her on purpose to get her. Right. Well, and that's... A lot of people to kill her. think that she got hit on purpose. Right. To, to take her down. Right. And that... And it, I think it was a habit of hers to take a morning walk, so people right. who knew her probably would have known knew. that that's where she would have been, or there was a good chance she would have been doing that in the morning. Or they just saw her, and it was an opportunity to just get her. Yeah. But... It seems very personal, obviously, because you don't get stabbed 64 no, times. that's so many times. Mm-hmm. Like by accident or something. So, yeah. And there was one set of his fingerprints. Correct. But then there was 10 other sets of prints and the thing had been sitting out at a work site. Like he said he stole it from a work site near his house, behind his house. Right. So... There are lots of people who would have touched it for various reasons, so that's not the most solid evidence. It just proves that he touched the plastic, but another guy touched the plastic and got cleared. Right. Right? Sure. So that's not great evidence. The blood in the trunk was not conclusively hers. Had it been, then that would have been different. Also, if you've been stabbed 64 times, you would think that there'd be a lot more than one speck of blood in a trunk, right? Well, he said he stabbed her in the trunk. Exactly. So if that was true, the thing would have been full of blood. Even if he'd stabbed her once, enough to kill her, there would have been enough blood in the trunk to test. And it had been a few years, but we all know that blood sticks around. It's not, they could have at least found more than a speck. There would have been a pool of blood, even if they couldn't test it. They would have seen it. Hmm. I know. And then there was, the, there was none of his DNA on her body, but there was female DNA on her body. And the cut to her underwear, does it does seem like either a woman or a man and a woman killed her then staged it to look like a sex crime. And it probably McNeil definitely probably didn't actually kill her, maybe helped cover up the murder, but probably didn't kill her. Yeah. But he's still in prison 
for her murder. I don't. And like nobody's that. really doing anything about it. Yeah. And I didn't watch the whole documentary about why the guy doesn't think it was him because it seems pretty clear to me. I kind of jumped out of there and found the book and started going down that path mm-hmm. instead because I was more interested in her, right, mm-hmm. than, than McNeil. But the guy who did the documentary is the one who presented the information to the police and was like, this is why he didn't do it. And they're like, thanks, but bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to keep working on it. We don't really care yeah. enough to do anything about it. But yeah, it's not a solved case. I'm going to no. just go ahead and pretty solidly say this isn't a solved case. No, I think that's accurate. Yeah, because he also, he did have drug issues. He had mental health issues. So if you take a guy who's suffering a mental breakdown, who's on drugs, withdrawing from drugs, whatever, he didn't seem squirrely or out of sorts, but he could have been confused. He could have helped cover it up and had enough information to say, yeah, I I hit her and then Mm -hmm. I stabbed her so she would die. And maybe that was information he was fed from the other people or maybe he had seen her body and knew she had been stabbed and so made it up. Who fucking knows? I mean, the police could have led him to say those things. Right, Like they do sometimes. Well, and they showed him a photo. He was like, yeah, I stabbed her once. And they're like, then how do you explain this? He's like, oh, I stabbed her four times. In her hand, like Mm -hmm. on her arm or wherever Mm -hmm. the picture was. Yeah. Yeah. No. If his mental health was bad enough that he was like in a mental hospital at Mm -hmm. some point around the same time, like it's not just like, oh, I had a mental... I have mental health issues as an excuse. Like, sounds like he legitimately did. Legitimately did. And it was around the time of his confession, too. It wasn't even, like, around the time of her murder. He had just, mm-hmm. I don't know what the proximity to the confession was, but he it was right before the confession that he had been institutionalized. And I don't know for how long or for what, but, yeah, he had recently been in a mental hospital seeking treatment, and then the police show up arrest him and he's like yep I did it but then immediately was like I didn't do it <laughs> I didn't I don't I didn't do it <laughs> just right. JK yeah came out wrong yeah <laughs> yeah and then they just have this shaky evidence real shaky evidence tying him to her and oh yeah all of it it's just not a good case it's not no. a good case it's a rushed it's a rush job I just hate a rush job Especially in 2002 on this small island where everyone's just desperate to get this thing buttoned up. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not cool, dude. (sighs) So, especially somebody with a lot of enemies, like a lot of people with motive. Yeah. And she, like one of the boyfriends, I think it was Bucket, said that one time he was cooking dinner for her and. She was like, I have to go to the bathroom or something like that. And then he comes to check on her because he hasn't heard from her. And she's just gone. Oh, no. And she had gone to stalk her ex-boyfriend <gasps> while on a date. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. She's just obsessed with him. And I think it was the wow. guy with the daughter. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she was just doing, she would do things like, and absolutely not to victim blame at all. But it's no. just like, if yeah. I had that information and that information is very available. If I was a detective and I had that information, I wouldn't be like some random chef stabbed her a billion times. I'd be like, okay, I think we need to look into this a little bit more. And I don't know. I don't know what, if they did, I don't know anything, but it just like, if, if she had been a lot of people that we cover who had literally no enemies and ended up dead then maybe then maybe i'd be like sure random mm-hmm. chef checks out but janelle was not a like little wilting little flower she right. was a badass who spoke her mind and drank too much and made poor decisions after she drank and was still just a big vibrant wild personality even when she wasn't drinking there was there was more to it than absolutely it seemed, yeah it's yeah. like I, we need to like clue it. We need to like murder mystery. Like yeah. put all of the potential suspects in a room together in a mansion. Exactly. And uncover the truth. Totally. It sucks. That sucks, dude. 
So thank you, listener. I mean, honestly, the I'm glad you suggested the story. I get very frustrated by unsolved or shittily solved mm-hmm. murders, but she does seem like somebody who is not cared for, not by no. her family. Her parents obviously very much loved her. And I really, like you said earlier, they were like, we're so proud of her for fighting the guy. We're so proud of her or, or girl or both. We're so proud of her for her big personality and her unwillingness to back down. And she was very loved. There's no doubt about it, but I don't think she was given a fair fair justice there was no. not fair justice it's not a good case it's not a comfy happy but yummy no nope, not nope. at all so no. i appreciate the opportunity to tell her story and to like look into it a little bit more and there are enough people out there who have felt the same and wrote, written books about her and good. things so yeah that makes she's me not happy. just forgotten no no but it would be really cool if the person who actually did it was put to justice and if McNeil didn't do it or partially did it, that he was appropriately punished or let off the hook. Right. For being an additional victim. Right. Exactly. It's never okay to put somebody in prison for crimes they don't commit. Nope. Well, there you go, um, everybody. Wow. And I just realized that this is a main feed episode. <laughs> yeah. So my enthusiastic, deep-voiced intro. intro. I just let was, you go for it. Yeah. Thanks. So I if we like, need to redo that to be more profesh for the main feed, no. we can do that too. No, it's a little peek behind the curtain, guys. It's a little peek of what you get in the Patreon if you if you dare. People are like, oh God, no. As you were doing it, I was like, if I heard that, would I keep going or would I bail? Uh-huh. Don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. But well, if we we can always re-record the. No, I think it's good to weed them out every <laughs> once in a while. Weed out the ones who can't hang, who are <laughs> too aroused. Like, this one looks. This one looks profesh. <laughs> I like their thumbnail photo. <laughs> oh my god! They're so going to anyway. figure it out eventually. They're going to figure it out one way or another. So they might as well figure it out right up at the top who we yeah, are and what that's we. True. How it's we do true. this. I have no idea like what day of the week it is. And the boys oh, God. are done with school for the year. And Courtney was here for our mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, mom. And then Ryan took the boys camping yesterday. And I'm, I really, I don't know who I am or what day it is. And I fully thought it was like the end of the week. And it was a Patreon episode. <laughs> yep. That and then it, <laughs> Oh, boy. So... You're welcome. Happy to be here. If you made it this far, congratulations. You are one of us. You are our people. Yes. And you probably want to hear a few names for name time. Yeah. Right? For those of you who are new here, who have made it this far, (laughs) (laughs) if you go back to the Charlotte Grabby episode many, many, many years ago. So many. I mentioned a woman named Cindy Pancake just because it was cute. She had no bearing on the case whatsoever, but she was interviewed for the case and I squeezed her name in there because it was so cute and that spurred years and hundreds maybe thousands of names at this point that people have sent in that are equally cute funny adorable to be celebrated to be honored and so this y'all is that this is name time First, we have Jackie Mackie. <laughs> God, I will never get sick of rhyming names. Never, never, never. I wish you had to, it to do over again so you can name I do. kids like Jack, I really Jack, do Jack too. and Jack Eck. Yes, I do too. <laughs> How about Jeffrey Fleshhood? <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's always funny with anything with Jeffrey is funny. (laughs) And I think I might need to name my next dog Jeffrey because it's Jeffrey Jeffrey. Fleshhood. Jeffrey Fleshhood. God. God. How about Clint Flint? Clint with a K. Flint. Clint Flint. Yes. Yes. 
Someone's hospital has a doctor named Daniel Jack, and it shows up on all the records. Jack Daniel. Yeah. Sip, sip, sip. Yeah, yeah. give me that. <laughs> give me that Jack. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had Jack Daniels in my life. I was thinking I the imagine. same thing. I love a whiskey bourbon sort of deal, but... Mm. I can sort of taste the sweet burning, so I think yeah. I have had it, but it's been yeah. a while. There's a no frickin' way in Chimicum, Washington. Wow. Yes. F-R-I-K-K-E-N, no, N-O dot, so maybe number or nominal. <laughs> I don't know what no stands for in this case. N-O period frickin' way in Chimicum, awesome. Washington. <laughs> Somebody sent us a tag from a toy, a meerkat toy, which if you're on our Patreon, you get the inside meerkat joke. And it said model fart. (laughs) (laughs) There is a Mike crack. Yeah, there There is is. a stingray Rob who's trying to get into NASCAR. The Indy five, I think Indy five hundred. Oh, I mean he's in. He's in. Stingray Rob is in. I mean, yes. No, I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not following. I was like NASCAR. That is the that is the one thing that our state has is the Indy five hundred. So maybe you would know. Stingray no. Rob. There wow. is a thrush lane. Ooh. And there is, this is true. I looked this up. <laughs> There's a ditched quick and hide <laughs> law firm and they are divorce lawyers. For real. For real. They have a website, ditched quick and hide. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> pretty shocking. Wow. It's shocking. And that's it for this week, you guys. Oh, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Keep them but coming. But we got Jeffrey Fleshhood to... Uh, oh, God, that <laughs> one really surprised me <laughs> and delighted me. Uh, you know who else surprises and delights us? Our Patreons aboard. Yeah! For as little as $5 a month, you can get a whole other show. Always ad-free Full ass, whole ass episode. So get on over yeah, there if do. you want more of this for some reason. And also, <laughs> if you sign up, we will shout you out in the style of my delusional ramblings as <laughs> as we are about to do. Oh, boy. Who do, who do we have this week? Thank you so much to Alex G. Alex gonna get you on the money. Alex gonna get you tonight. Alex gonna find you and bite you and tell you that everything will be all right. Cause Alex is gonna do it and knows how to throw it around in the cool way. Alex is gonna take you to ground and that (laughs) means you're found inside of you. (laughs) What did you find inside of you in the ground with Alex? Well, let me tell you, you found your meaning, you found your being, you found the reason for this singing, which is Alex, (laughs) which is Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Oh, thank you so much to Lily S. Oh, fuck, fancy. Give me something like Lily. Lily. One of the best all-time best ever names, and it just sort of takes this breath out of me in a good way. Ah, God. I mean, it's like... The, re- the the fact that not everybody on the planet is named things like Lily, Charlotte, Jeffrey, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like the, we all have a choice of what to name ourselves and each other and Lily isn't the permanent answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. If your name is Lily and I know a Lily and she, ah, man, stylish, graceful, unique, charismatic, Attractive in a, I mean, in a conventional sense, but also in a, like, you're like literally just like like magnetic, Mm -hmm. mysterious. You have to be mysterious to be a Lily. Stylish, kind, thoughtful, deeply feeling, deeply thinking, grounded, but a little flighty in an interesting way. Funny. 
the Lily I knew had this like best ever speech impediment when she was little, mm-hmm. like so, like quotably cute, yes. not just typical, and like didn't just change R's into L's or what into W's, just change like S's into G's or just like uh-huh. what? The, how did you even come up with that, Lily? You genius. Yeah, that's every Lily. Lily's yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why we're not all named Lily, and we should be. And I proclaim, moving forward, all lilies are lily. <laughs> we are all lilies. <laughs> I, you, yeah, we all get it. We know who you are. Congratulations on being named the name that everybody knows what it means immediately. So, yeah. good job, Lily. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you, you gorgeous creature. Thank you so much to Nat. Hey! Oh, nada, tat, tat, tat on the tippy top of my roof comes nat. Nada, tat, tat, tat is a time of the <laughs> year of the time of the hat. <laughs> nat takes a hat and tips it to ya. Nat takes a swivel round. Nat takes a big old breath and then takes the house the fuck on down. <laughs> nat tat comes the gnat and she does a little shuffle. Shuffle ball change and back again and the gnat says, hey, let me tell ya. I'm gonna hip you to a thing or two because I'm nat tat and here's what you need to do. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck, because I'm the one who could tell you that it's not worth it. It's worth it to be yourself and get on the roof and do a little shuffle ball change and take your pants off if you want to, throw them down and stomp on them and then put them on and it looks cool somehow. And then you wink and then you sink into yourself and remain there fully intact and happy as a Mad Hatter on the roof of tapping. <laughs> Nat-a-tat-tat. She's coming back, and you should all be looking out for it, because Nat-a-tat-tat is where it's at. She's the fucking best. Believe it. Thank you, Nat. Thank you. Last but not least. Last but not least. Thank you so much to Alexander O. Oh, Alexander O. Stands for opportunity to look inside. Find Alexander. Where does they hide? Alexander hides in and amongst and around and above and between. Alexander is the liminal space where if you are afraid to face yourself and each other, Alexander O will take you by the hand, guide you through and into the future. Alexander O is the beginning and end, the front and the back, and the everything. Alexander O can show you where to go, but the trick at the end is you're already there. (gasps) What? I know. (laughs) Thank you, Alexander O, for being everything and all things and basically the embodiment of time being a flat circle. Yes. My favorite hyper focus on this earth. Yeah. Much like you, Alexander O. We love you guys so much. Oh, we love you so much. We Thank will never you get over it. Here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for half listening, hate listening, not listening, any kind of listening you're doing. It's appreciated and welcome. And we love you. We and really do. If you want to spend more time with us, you can go to our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. And you can always email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, you can. Before we continue, I just want to remind you all that Courtney has another podcast. Thanks. Called Please Leave. Please Leave. Which is not what we want you to do right now. Unless you're going to go over there and listen to very scary stories. I... I like to save them up and listen to a bunch at once. And I don't know why, because it kind of ruins my life. But yeah, <laughs> I did that yesterday. And because I'm home alone for the next 
day or so. I listened to some in the middle of the day while I was gardening. And then I was driving home and realized I was going to be alone the rest of the night. And I called Courtney and I was like, I don't know what I'm like, what am I doing? I'm scaring myself so bad. And I wanted to keep listening, but I had to stop because I was going to be too scared to be home alone. <laughs> They're really, really, really good. They continue to be good. I don't know where she comes up with these ideas. I don't, I don't have that in my brain. And I know Courtney really well. And then she like comes up with this like totally fucked up scenarios that are really like legitimately scary. It's so fun. And kind of love, I mean, I deeply love her for it and also pretty much hate her for it. So go listen. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love it. I love doing it. I don't, I really don't. It's not me being humble or demure. I really don't know where the stories come from. And it is a blast when they show up. I'm like, oh, there you are, you fucking weirdo. Yeah. So if you like scary stories, go over there and do what you can to share the word about it to your other people that you know in your life who like scary shit because it's really good. I will say, too, that so Ben Chandler, who is my, my muse at this point, he's the he's one of the voice artists. Over there, he kind of was the, per- the first person that I heard read my stories, and I was like, fuck, this yeah, is... Yeah, he's so good. This is so good. He's so good. Anyway, he lives in London. He's a Brit, and his mother is our biggest fan at Please Leave. Oh, hands down. Hands I love down. that. And I kept seeing Mandy Chandler liking, posting, commenting. She's just all over it. And he admitted the other day, he's like, my mom, by the way, my mom is your biggest fan. I was like, oh, that's who Mandy is. I thought at first it was his girlfriend or wife or something. Anyway, uh, and he's like, she doesn't like horror at all. She really does not like horror. He's like, but she's so into your stories because they're not traditionally scary. They're not like gory necessarily. They're Yeah, they're going to fuck with your head. Yeah, that's my my personal flavor brand of horror. Yeah, mine too. But they are... Like, they are scary, for sure, just in a different, more sophisticated way. Uh, Yeah. So if Mandy Chandler can hang, you all probably can, too. Anyway, give it a (laughs) shot. (laughs) Just don't do it when you think you're safe, and then you're going to go home and be alone for a while. (laughs) Today's episode that dropped is actually funny, so if you need a little bit of relief, like, it's definitely creepy, but it's also, I, I was laughing out loud editing it it's i actually wrote it months ago and then i gave it to my dear friend who takes forever to do anything and she recorded it and it wasn't quite right it's also a very long story so anyway i sent it to nicholas one of my other voice artists and he re-recorded it but it had been so long since i wrote it that listening as i was editing i was like (laughs) lolling i think that's pretty funny yeah so anyway Thank you for the plug. I am very proud. I am very proud of it, and I want to keep doing it. So it's not going to take away from this by any stretch. It's weird well, how sure. they sort of work together so yeah. beautifully. So I know uh, I want. I want people like I. I wish that I what I was somebody different plugging the podcast because I feel like people are like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. It's your yeah, like that's your sister. But I'm really I'm legitimately a huge fan. Thanks. Of the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Or no, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, please. Send us some reviews. We love it. We love it. You can write a little miniature novel in Mm -hmm. honor of us. Mm -hmm. Please do. (laughs) Or or in opposition of us. We get whatever. It's fine. Whatever you want to do. Yep. Thank you, AJ Bergens, for your music. Thank you so much. And remember... If you haven't watched Vanderpump Rules, get all over on it, guys. guys, That is, there's a little something um, for everybody on Vanderpump Rules, especially these days. Yep, I really caught up. I know, I did. I I rushed. I was like (laughs) rushing through to get to the end, and now I'm kind of laughing at myself because I didn't know that everybody knew what had happened before it happened. Right? Everybody meaning the cast or everyone in the world? Well, I mean, I think that because it was a thing that came out in real time. Right. There's a big and, scandal right now. If you're not familiar, there's right. like a huge blow up scandal that is the reason that so many people are rushing back to Vanderpump Pools. And so it wasn't necessarily like a secret. Like it wasn't a shocking reveal when it was airing to most people who follow Vanderpump, right? Right. No. Well, I mean, it was like it was a pre shocking reveal. So everybody found out about it before it happened on the That's show. What I mean. But it was right. Yeah, it was so, like, very in real time, they were they... finding out what happened. And yes. then the episodes were airing later. Yes. And if I had known that, I wouldn't. But I was like, I did not want to know what was going to happen. Yeah. And, but then it started to become more 
prevalent on social media and stuff. And so I was like, I got to get through this quick. Yeah. And then I got through it and I kind of already knew what was going to happen because I couldn't completely stay off of all of the internet. Mm. And then I was laughing at myself like, no, I could have known. Still. <laughs> like, yeah. Still. Like I, really, if yeah. I was kind of bummed that I knew, I mean, there's a good thing about knowing because you can see it sort of unra- mm-hmm. happening and it's like a weird breaking of the fourth wall that's never really happened on reality TV before. Mm-hmm where the editors are presenting one storyline, but there's a very different storyline happening behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. it was as viewers, it was really fun for everybody to be in on something together right. and sort of know what's coming. It was just like a meta sort of new experience that, yeah. that like, no one's ever really had. Right. I right. Think. And the producers and most of the cast didn't know as it was being filmed what was coming. Right. So that was really fun. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I, I was kind of bummed that I knew because it's always fun to just get a weird fucking surprise, especially because <laughs> You're so invested in these weirdos. And, it uh, really is. It's yeah, worth but it's watching. It's worth watching. And it's really about like a Khaleesi style rise of the women. Just that's mm-hmm. the only little detail I'll give. But I mean, it's like, it's just a whole new thing. It's a whole new experience with reality television. It always has been, but especially now. So yep. get your little booties over there. If you're even Do remotely it. interested in reality TV, it is by far the best reality TV show and I have been a fan for years I remain a fan and I'm even more a fan than I could have imagined yep totally alright that's it right we did it that's it we love you babies we, we love, love you so, so much. much we really do and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon we'll see you then and we'll okay. see you every time and we'll, we'll see you then see you all the times goodbye 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.